Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome everyone to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Jeff Lerner, your host, always excited to be back with you for another amazing conversation. Today we are joined by Sohail Khan. He's uh, got some amazing ups and downs and backups story, uh, stories as, a, as an entrepreneur like, like we all do. Um, he had a multi-million dollar, I guess, eight-figure business. We'll, we'll let him expound on these details, but he lost it all, I think, 2008. Set himself a challenge. I can't wait to hear about this, to make a million dollars in 30 days, um, which he did via joint venture partnerships and kind of had a, a little bit of a legendary recovery. Became known as the joint venture expert, which is how he was introduced to me. Um, and then ultimately built a, another eight-figure business and sold it. And as far as I know, now he's semi-retired and spends a lot of time moderating huge clubhouse rooms, which is actually where I, where I met him. And I'm stoked to uh, have him fill in all those details. So, hey, welcome to Millionaire Secrets. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to meet you. Um, again, just for context, I was introduced to you via Clubhouse. Frankly, I'm trying to figure out what the heck to do with that app. And if it's even worth spending the time on, uh, folks like yourself are demonstrating the pretty amazing power of that app. And um, so that's one thing I'm excited to talk about. But why don't you take us back, man? I, g I gave a, a pretty poor telling of your story. Can, <laughs> can you maybe flesh it out a little bit? Yeah, so uh, my background is I originally trained as an accountant CPA. And while working at um, the accountancy firm in London, one of the top five, I saw a gap in the market for e-learning back in uh, early sort of uh, um, early 2000, actually before 2000, 1990, late 1990. And I saw a gap in the market um, uh, and it was an interesting time. And uh, what I managed to do was I took a leap of faith. Um, I did a licensing deal with a company based in America. Uh, we licensed all their content. We brought the content over to the UK. Uh, I set up a business from scratch as a joint venture partnership. And that business, I, we did seven figures actually in the first six months of setting that business up. And that business went on to create eight figures through collaborative partnerships. So that was my first foray into the uh, entrepreneurial uh, game. Um, and that was my first business that made me a multimillionaire. Uh, and that was the actual first business. And then obviously um, we, uh, we merged with a larger group um, uh, back in 2006 a big a nine figure group actually it was and that that increased our valuation of our business but um, the big mistake we make actually which what i make was giving away too much equity and uh, that turned into a disaster in 2008 during the, the the recession the group that owned my business and many others under their umbrella went bust and obviously when they went down they dragged me down with them and um in 2000 that happened in 2008 during the last recession i lost everything I went from being a multi-millionaire, totally broke. At that time, I was I, I was living in a 15-bedroom mansion. I had just over a million dollars worth of cars in the drive. Yes, when I was young, uh, I wanted to be rich. So I didn't really know the difference between being rich and being wealthy. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I've learned a lot from that experience. When I lost everything, it changed my whole mindset. It changed my whole outlook to life. And then I set about um, uh, getting back on my feet. I actually set myself a challenge in 2009. Uh, I thought I'd uh, make a million dollars in 12 months with a few deals. I ended up doing one deal uh, that made me just over $1.5 million in 30 days. And we can talk about, more about how I did that. And that basically put me back on my feet very quickly. I became known as the joint venture expert. And then after that, I built a very successful corporate consulting practice in corporate America, uh, built that to eight, eight, built that and sold that, exited via an acquisition partnership 
in 2017 for eight figures. And then I pretty much semi-retired after I've got two young kids. So I, I tend to focus on them more. And I'm just working now on building a legacy, uh, a foundation, which is my future. And obviously also, of course, Clubhouse, right? That, that that's, uh, seems to be the, the talk of the, the topic of the hour. And I'm really enjoying making some great friends and connections on Clubhouse like yourself also. Cool, man. Well, what a great story. I, uh, I love meeting people that lost everything in 2008 because I lost everything in 2008 um, <laughs> and have, you know, basically been on a prolonged recovery ever since. Although admittedly, I didn't have a, what did you say, 16 bedroom mansion to lose? 15 I was... bedroom Georgian, Georgian mansion. And I had, uh, see, the, we, we, we actually worked it out. The cars that I had in the drive uh, today, they would have been worth just under 10 million. I had wow. a lot of classic cars, a lot of classic Ferraris and Porsches. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, it was, yeah, I had to get rid of everything, man. And that's a mistake I made. You know, I was just, I was, I was pretty much asset rich. Um, and I spent a lot of money just because uh, that's what I wanted when I was younger. You know, instead of thinking about protecting my assets and about wealth, I was into, you know, being rich. So I learned from that. Yeah, like they say, if, if you want to be poor, focus on living rich. If you want to be rich, focus on living poor, right? Exactly. Um, Okay, so yeah, and so this joint venture thing, I mean, I want to talk about that in, in more depth. It's, it's a whole world. And obviously, I, you know, we, we have kind of strategic affiliate relationships that are kind of our version of, of JVs in our world. And, and, and I don't do a lot of them because, you know, well, there's, there's just liability in giving your brand or your relationship, you know, giving any part of it in the hands of someone else. But I also recognize it is an incredibly powerful strategy that I'd like to explain to the audience a little more because, frankly, I'm not the expert. I remember I spoke at this event uh, called JVology. Are you familiar with that group? Yes, Jay, yeah. Jay, Jay Fisset. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, Jay Fisset. So I, I spoke well. at their event once on, on some related subjects, but not as a not as a JV expert. Uh, but I was sort of you know, I sat in the room while for a few days, he really fleshed out the potential of this yeah. strategy. And it's amazing because, you know, the question people are always asking is like, they say, oh, well, it takes all this money to make all this money. How can I get leverage without a bunch of capital? And the answer is other people, right? So maybe, maybe can you, well, the, the first thing I want to know is like, you, you kind of threw out this thing. Like I made, you know, I did one deal. I made one point, what'd you say? $1.5 million. $1.5 million days. was my commission on that deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, was that a joint venture? That was the joint venture. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you can use that as a setup to explain the power of the joint venture and what it actually means. Yeah. Simple. So a joint venture simply is tapping into someone else's audience. Okay. If you know your avatar and you know your customer audience, you can actually acquire access to your a targeted audience by doing a partnership with someone who already has access to that audience and because they're already doing the sales and the marketing they can actually do all that for you so you don't have to do make the investment into paid ads or marketing or advertising because somebody else is already doing that with their existing customers all you do is you build a relationship with them and rapport and you get them to endorse you to their audience and obviously like you said that, that you need to do a lot of due diligence uh, beforehand because you know if you want to protect your brand so you've got to make sure you do all that and how I uh, did the uh, did that deal was simple. I saw a uh, a one page ad in a newspaper uh, um, uh, in the um, in the in the direct uh, 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 mail um, uh, area about a classified classified right. at the back of the newspaper. And it was a one page ad for a book. It was called How to Use Your PC in Two Hours. It was for the uh, for the baby boomer market. And uh, what 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 I really looked at at the bottom was it, they had sold four hundred thousand copies of this book. 
So they had 400,000 paying customers on their database who, who had bought this book on how to use a computer. Now, my background was e-learning, right? Video courses and video learning. So I approached them and I said, look, do you have a video version of the book? They said, no. Um, I said, well, I've got a video version of it. Would you guys be interested in upselling my product to your existing customers? Okay, let's, let's do a collaboration. I'll give you a product if you can promote it to your existing customers. I, I didn't really have the product. I just pitched the idea. And when I got the go-ahead, I went out and I created the product. Now, the thing is, with joint, with joint ventures and uh, deals, when you're doing deals, there's a product side and there's a list size, right, which I call distribution. The biggest joint ventures that I've done, the biggest deals, doesn't involve me finding a product, then finding someone to promote. It's finding someone who has the distribution, okay? So that's how I've managed to make some big numbers by tapping into someone else's distribution network. Now, with these guys, what we did was um, I created the, the DVD and I licensed it back to them. Basically, I repurposed their content. I licensed it to them. They promoted it. Uh, they sold it for $19.95, uh, and my cut from that was $7.50. So I said, for each one that I sell, you can keep the majority. You give me $7.50 for each one that you sell. I'll give you a license. Uh, you do the distribution. You do the, you do the duplication. You do the marketing. And we sold just over 201,000 units of that actual product to their 400,000 customers. So that's how I made just over $1.5 million. I mean, the total, I think, was just under $5 million, But my cut from that was $1.5 million. Right. Yeah, I think you, you hit on such an important concept that, that doesn't just apply to joint ventures. I think it applies to marketing in general, which is start by, by finding a defined audience with a clear like you said, a way to reach them, i.e. distribution, and also a fairly identifiable need or pain point, sure. which in this case was technical frustration for an older person. And, exactly. and, then, and then create a product or service to satisfy that need, which is backwards from how so many people do it. Yeah. They spend all this time, energy, and often money building this thing, the actual, yeah. and they try to go yeah. shove it into the market, and they don't even know where they're putting it. Doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah, correct. And like I like I was also um, uh, I was also one of the I was also in the internet marketing industry many years ago. I was the guy behind a lot of the gurus um, um, uh, building the uh, affiliate armies for them. So I was I was recruiting affiliates as a JV broker. So yeah. I learned a lot from being in the industry, and I understand what you say. You know, when you're building an affiliate network, you just got to be careful because you don't know really who's promoting for you in that sense. Because when you have so many affiliates, they're just interested in making money. The difference between uh, 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 affiliates and JV partners is JV partners work more closely with you. It's more of a one-to-one yeah. -one approach and they work long-term. Whereas affiliates, once they've promoted yours, they'll be looking for the next deal. So that's just a big difference between you know having affiliates and having joint venture partners. And, and actually both work depending on your product. So equally, both will give you this a similar result. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people too, they kind of romanticize the idea of having this affiliate army for their, yeah. their product. And I, I would say my experience of, you know, I started, I was an affiliate marketer full time for five plus years. Um, that's how, that's actually how I recovered from my 2008 yeah. crisis. I paid off <laughs> half a million dollars in debt in 18 months by learning affiliate marketing. Wow. But, sure. you know, so, so there's this, there's this beautiful idea of like, oh, I, I don't even have to sell or market my stuff. I just create a product, create an affiliate program and a thousand people. And let everyone else do up. that. Yeah. But I think you have to be careful, you know, if you're just, if you, if you are creating a product and your goal is to sell a bunch of units of that product and then move on to a whole other thing, okay, affiliates might be great. But if you're trying to build a brand, you're trying exactly. to build a reputation, you're trying to build true equity in the market for the long term, you have to be very careful with affiliates. Because like you said, yeah, all I, they I, want is to make money. 
Exactly. And that's the, that's the beauty of doing more joint venture partnerships. My exit in 2017 was a consulting company where what I did was I partnered with a sales training organization, actually one of the last, largest in North America. And we did a 50-50 joint venture partnership where they promoted my joint venture training to their to their to basically to their sales brokers okay that's what we did we had a train the trainer license i gave them a yearly license fee and they actually used my training to train their organization what happened there eventually the training was so good and so profitable for them that they no longer wanted that 50 50 partnership they wanted 100 percent of the pie mm -hmm. so they made me an offer in 2017 and i accepted it and that again is an acquisition via partnership so you can partner with competitors also in the similar space that aren't offering what you're offering and just basically offer an additional a complementary product that they can offer to their customers as well so a lot of people don't think that everyone's a competitor and they don't realize that they can actually you can actually work with competitors because if you have something that's the same demographic core uh, target market, mm -hmm. but it's a different offering, you still can work together. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a perfect example right now, I'm, you know, with my company, Entre Institute, which teaches kind of broad entrepreneurship and then narrows into specific tactics and specific business models, but we start with the general. I'm actually in conversation right now with one of the biggest online business e-learning companies out there because yeah. they kind of go the other way where they start with the very tactical and the niche and they kind of expand. And so there's actually, and, and I, I was talking to the guy the other day and I'm like, you know, listen, everybody else in the world probably thinks we're competitors, but I see a lot more value in viewing our, each other as collab potential collaborators. And, and, and as soon as we shed that false idea that we were working against each other, all these possibilities start to emerge. Um, and it is, it's really cool. And, and I think as people realize, because I even had a guy yesterday say, you know, it just seems like affiliate marketing is saturated. Like they have kind of a small view of mm. the internet. I just think people don't realize how big the big, internet yeah. is. But, and, and the internet <laughs> literally means the whole world. Yeah, It's just so big. I mean, this year, internet commerce, the digital economy is supposed to be over $5 trillion this year. Oh, it's amazing. Affiliate yeah, it's amazing. marketing is 23% of that, which means it's now officially a trillion dollar industry. Huge. Yeah, huge. It's incredible. Uh, the other thing I love about your story, and I, I want you to kind of maybe expand on this is, and I tell people all the time, like, don't get overly fixated on what product or service or even what business category you're going to be in. Focus on whatever opportunity you have in front of you, Use it as a platform to learn the skills. Correct. The skills of yeah, funnels, copywriting, networking, yeah. business development. Because once you learn those skills, as you've demonstrated, you can reinvent yourself in 30 days by taking your skills and applying it to someone else's business. Very easily. And the skills is what get you through, right? I mean, if I didn't have those skills and that knowledge, I wouldn't be able to turn things around so quickly. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that. So how did you, how would you say you learned the skills? I mean, you were a CPA, you didn't grow up studying internet marketing. How did you learn these skills? I, I learned most of it from a, a one book, right? And that was uh, Jay Abraham's book, getting all you can out of everything, uh, getting everything you can out of all you've got. And that business, mm. that book opened up my whole uh, idea. Now I was already working with businesses, so I had commercial acumen. So I had the com commercial acumen, I understood numbers. I understood how businesses work. So I think that really helped me also in terms of going into business, but the concepts of the partnerships and how to create those partnerships and the licensing, um, I learned all from that book. And then obviously later on down the line, I, uh, you know, I took a trip to LA. I did a five day uh, boot camp there with Jay Abraham. 
which was my first, um, uh, uh, actually my first mentor on my first coaching program. And then I learned the skills more ha hands on. And ever since then, he's become a good mentor for me. So uh, I did have to go out and actually find the further knowledge and, and, and absorb myself in that further knowledge. And this is all I do. I've only ever done one thing uh, consistently for the last sort of 15, 20 years, and that's joint ventures and strategic alliances and strategic partnerships. That's the only thing you'll ever hear me talk on, no matter what the shiny object of the day is. Um, mm. I can still use uh, my skills to, uh, to, 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 to work around whatever the current situation is, which, you know, which, which is, for example, like Clubhouse. It's just a platform, really. It's just a platform like any other. But how you utilize that platform with the skills that I have in terms of collaboration, um, that can be used pretty much in any industry and any platform. So that book was called Getting, what was it everything called? Everything you can, getting everything you can out of all you've got. Getting everything you can out of all you've got. I've never read it. I've actually never, I mean, obviously I'm very book. familiar with Jay Abraham, yeah. but I've never heard of the book. Um, yeah. I'm going to read it. It sounds amazing. Or I should say, I'm going to listen to it. Uh, but I love what you said too about, you know, you had an established, probably potentially very lucrative long-term corporate career track that you were on, but you recognized the value you know, you saw opportunity and realized that to seize that opportunity, you have to take your education, like your education didn't end when you finished college. Correct. Yeah. There was a whole new education you needed to do. And certainly in the world we live in today, and admittedly, I own an online education company. So it's a little bit self-serving <laughs> to say this, but like, I don't think you have a choice about no. whether or not to do that anymore, unless you want to just settle. You know, if you're a person who settles and I say, okay, it's good enough, then great. Don't get self-educated. But if you want more, more is always out there. And the opportunity yeah. to learn how to get more is always out there. And the thing is, if you want to be the best in your field, and, 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 and that's what I say people should always aim for, because you know, there's, there's so much noise out there. You have to gain that knowledge. You have to consistently be gaining that knowledge. And you know, even though I'm very good at what I do and I have the skills, I still have to gain knowledge in certain industries to be able to actually um get involved in certain industries you know uh, nowadays it's easy because i can go into any industry uh, that i that i choose to without having the knowledge of the industry because i just do a collaboration partnership with someone who already already is in that industry so i find it easier to penetrate any industry uh very easily with uh, with uh, with doing joint venture partnerships yeah you know this concept of of leverage um i'm looking over here because i have some notes trying to find it. Uh, I did a little training on leverage. Where is it? Where is it? And about, ah, where is it? There's like nine different types of leverage. And I think a lot of people think of leverage as getting a, a multiplier on their money. Yeah. And I'm trying to find it. Where the heck is it? But it, that's not the only type of leverage. In fact, what you're saying, I can't find it. I won't, I'll quit looking. But what you're saying is basically you can leverage another person's audience which also means yes. leveraging another person's money because they spent money yeah. to build the audience you yeah. can leverage other maybe even go over here and leverage other people's expertise because you might be expertise, in an industry you know audience, nothing about yeah yeah expertise audience reputation uh, i was i was not mm -hmm. known in the industry because i was the guy behind the gurus but then the gurus brought me up um into onto stages to talk so I, 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 that is leveraging their reputation to build my reputation. So yeah, there's, the leverage is amazing. Yeah. 
So, so, okay. So let's say somebody hears this and they're, they're inspired. They go, oh my gosh, I don't have to be a subject matter expert. I don't have to big have a big list. I don't have to have a fat bank account. I just have to come in and connect these dots, right? Connect these pieces. And so how do you approach those pieces in a way that casts a vision, demonstrates competence? And I mean, before, now you have a track record, so it's easier, but before, yeah. how do you approach yeah. these pieces and demonstrate competence, cast a vision and add enough value that they don't just go, oh, well, that's great. I'll go do it myself with the other partner. Okay, so it comes down to what you actually said. You have to give massive value. And also you've got to be able to pinpoint the people that you want to connect with. You've got to do research. You've got to research what they like, what they want. What are their current struggles right now that you can help with? So one of the questions I always ask people is, you know, I'll, I'll contact someone and say, hey, uh, just reaching out to you to find out what you're working on. How, how can I help? Or how can I help you with that current project? So that's, that conversation leads into a dialogue. And when you, it's, it's basically called the law of reciprocity. Robert Cialdini uh, wrote a great book called The Psychology of Influence. And oh, in yeah. that he explains, the, yeah, the law of reciprocity, right? Is that if you do something for someone else, it's human nature. You got it on show? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm looking to see if I've got it here. It's like yeah, one of my yeah, favorite yeah. books. Yeah, I've yeah, read it, it like five times. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite books. And he says, you know, people re reciprocate. So that's what you have to do to make that connection. You have to reach out to people and help them, help them uh, as much, give as much value that the actual answer will, from them will be, oh, thanks a lot for that, Jeff, for example. How can I, now how can I help you? And when someone says that, bang, you're in. And you can now create that dialogue and you can basically make that connection and you can ask. So my motto, if you go to my bio on Clubhouse, for example, you see my, the first lines of my bio say, I give first and ask later. And, and that has always mm -hmm. been my ethos. You know, I'll always go out and give, 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 give. And then when someone turns around and says to me, that is a fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Now, what can I do for you, Sahel? That is when my opportunity comes to ask them for something. So, you know, that's a, a great ethos. So let's, so let's talk about how to like kind of get your foot in that door, right? Obviously, you have to start with the intent to give yes. massive value, to give before you ask. So let's say you wanna go get your foot in that door. I'll use me as an example. Let's say I have yeah. an online education platform. We have courses, we have training, we have you know a good funnel and so forth. And then let's say you identify another guy who maybe has a great course or, or and or has a great audience. And you're like, okay, I wanna connect this person to, to Jeff to maybe co-create a course that they can leverage because it, it saves Jeff the work of having to create the content himself. Or maybe I wanna connect Jeff with this person because this person could be a great strategic affiliate who could promote Jeff's thing, either, either scenario, right? Like at a, at a very granular level, what do you say? How do you reach out to us? And what do you say in the outreach to differentiate yourself from the dozens of direct messages and emails and other things that you know I get every day? Okay, I, tell, I do this all the time because I, I am also a connector and an introducer and I do this by LinkedIn. So I make connections for clients who want to be connected with partners or decision makers. So a lot, of, a lot of it's first is finding the synergy. Okay, there has to be some synergy. So before I open the door and I create the dialogue, I've got to make sure that there is a synergy there and it's not a sales thing because people on LinkedIn don't like, um, uh, they're, 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 they're sick and tired of the sales bullshit. You know, it's right. like someone will ask you a question and then if you add them as a follower, bam, they'll hit you with a, a, some really silly uh, sales message. So what I try and do is I try and create intrigue. So I'll, let's say for example, you want to reach out to someone, I'll say to them, hey, I, and because I am uh, on my profile, you can see I'm a JV expert, I'm the JV guy. Um, my mm -hmm. profile does 
your, your profile will do all the talking for you because a lot of people will do their mm. due diligence when you reach out to them and say, okay, who is this guy? Is this guy a salesperson? Is this guy trying to sell me something? No, he's a connector. He's an introducer. Okay, this is interesting. This is what he does. So there's not a threat. So I reach out to him and say, hey, I've got a, um, uh, I have a client who's interested in doing business with you. Uh, but before I connect you with my client, I just wanted to ask if you were open to doing strategic partnerships. Now, that basically two things in that message. One is intrigue. Okay, so who is this client of Sahel's that wants to do a partnership with us? And number two, strategic partnerships. Nearly everyone I speak to is always open to doing strategic partnerships, okay? And then from that, the, uh, then from that, I, I always get a reply. The dialogue comes back to Sahel. I'm really interested. Tell me more about this partnership. Tell me more, more about this client. And if it's a good synergy, we'd be, uh, we'd be um, uh, looking to get on a, on a call. So that's how I predominantly do it. I do a two-step approach to make sure I open the door with intrigue. And it's direct response, right? Dan Kennedy stuff. It's like direct response. That's what we do. I need the other party to put their hand up to say, yes, we are interested, instead of me shoving it down their throat. They say that. Yes, we are interested. That gives me the go-ahead. Then all I say is, okay, that's great. But what I want to do right now, I want to set up a call between uh, between Jeff and yourself. Uh, let's look at your diary. What's the day and time that you're available? Or I'll cross-reference it with Jeff's diary, and let's get something booked in right now. And that's how I make introductions and appointments using LinkedIn. Cool. Okay. I mean, and that's great. Yeah, I love it. So the so the key is, don't come off salesy. Make sure yeah. that your profile is set up to convey your value so that you don't have to write a bio in the message. Um, yeah. Use intrigue, sort of tease at the opportunity, but don't overshare. Yeah. And, and just uh, make sure there's synergy, make sure there's synergy there. So if someone says to you, okay, tell me more about what it is. What, what does Jeff do? And why does Jeff want to work with us? You've got to be able to explain that in a very short paragraph, like a pitch deck, right? But right. not super, but not super pitchy. And because it comes from me as a third party outreach, we find that we get like 50, 75% more um, uh, response and um, uh, introductions rather than you going direct to that person. Interesting. And that word strategic partnership, uh, which I can speak to, that's a, that's a much more yeah. interesting word than, yeah. you know. And the subject, and the, and the, and the subject line is RE dash uh, a strategic partnership. Okay, cool. All right. So then from there, how do you, kind of secure your role in the relationship so that you don't get cut out? Okay, it really depends what my role is. If it's an introducer, then that's all I do. It's just making that introduction, okay? If I'm the, uh, the, the broker behind it, as in um, uh, I am getting involved in the deal, that's all done prior. We, we, we draft a letter of agreement. We make sure everything's in, uh, listed in that. Everyone knows what their responsibilities are. And then I take the lead role. And then if it's a deal that I'm, bought in to specifically manage I manage that deal and I make sure that both parties are communicating with each other and I'm basically like the referee in the middle right to be honest with you I'm I'm collecting all the data and sharing that data with whoever my client is so for example if you're my client I'm sharing that data with you and my job is to make sure that this partnership gets off the ground and to make sure the partnership gets managed and to make sure that um, uh, funds are being tagged and accounted for mm -hmm. and, and, and make sure everything rolls accordingly as it is until whatever the agreement is of that joint venture uh, until it ends. So that's my role. If I take a role as a broker, for example, but if I'm just an introducer, my role really stops when you guys get on a call to discuss business. So, yeah. So you are now an officially and professionally a joint venture expert who has clients coming to you saying, hey, we want to do JVs, help us, you know, navigate that. Uh, for the person who's like not established, they've never done a joint venture. 
Um, but they, they hear this and they go, okay, I can leverage expertise. I can leverage capital. I can leverage audience. And they want to kind of step into that and they see a synergy, but they don't have an established position. They don't have a contract with either party. How would somebody new kind of try to replicate what you do? Hey, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you know, you can get a free copy of my book, The Millionaire Shortcut, which shows you the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new economy. And there's a special link just for this episode in the description. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. That's a good question, because I actually did that with my first JV many, right. many years ago. I was virtually unknown. I think you've got to understand, first of all, how JVs work. You've got to understand how the how the synergy point works. Also, like I say, it, it comes down to also adding massive value. If you're going to be reaching out to someone to get them to endorse you to their list, you've got to make sure that you have something of value, something that is a good proposition. And also, I would say, if, you, if you're doing your first JV, for example, I would say give that other person more of a percentage than yourself to encourage that person to go into a deal with you. If you get your first JV under your belt or your first deal under your belt, then you can go to other people again and say, hey, we did a, a, a JV with Jeff. It went really well. We did like 50,000 or we did six figures with that deal. And even if you give them, even if you gave Jeff 70% of the deal, right, you're still making 30%, depending on your margins, of course, you can still take that as a case study and go to other people. So once you've got the first one, down uh you know some people even give away the, the, the you know the, the the front end if you have a front end product and a back end product for example you can give a hundred percent of the front end away just to get that deal plus it also will help you build a list as well you know you're building a list at the same time that you own that you can market to so it's also a great list builder for you if you don't have a list and it's also a great authority builder if you don't have authority because you've teamed up with someone and also you can make money from that as well so i would encourage anyone going into it from the beginning just make sure that the proposition is uh, is a no-brainer. You know, like they say, like, like they say in, Godfather, in Godfather, you know, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. This is what you've got to do. You've got to make them an offer they can't refuse. If they're saying, well, okay, you're giving me like 60% here uh, and you're taking 40%, most people will be, oh, that's cool, we'll do it, you know, because we're obviously getting the lion's share and that just encourages trust and that will get your foot in the door. So that's the sort of recommendation I'd give someone going into it brand new. Yeah, and... And thank you for that, because I know a lot of my audience is like, well, that, you know, how do I do this? I'm not a JV expert. Yeah. And what I'll say, being on the other side as somebody who, you know, if anybody's wondering, well, are there really people out there that would respond to this sort of outreach? I can say for myself, I work really hard and I spend a lot of money building an audience. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll, I mean, you know, I'm talking like 20, $30 million a year on ads. Okay. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of investment. So now I actually, it's great. I create an audience, but I also create a vacuum where yeah. I got to have content to keep the, you know, to, to satisfy the audience, to keep them engaged, exactly. to keep them watching yeah. and listening to me, not moving on to someone else. Yeah. So I don't squander and you've the got investment. To, and, and, and you've got to keep that momentum up and you've yeah. got to use all your resources. And why not? partner with someone else who can give you yeah. those resources and use those resources yeah yeah if somebody if somebody comes to me and they're like jeff i have listen i i have an amazing vision even if the course isn't done i have an amazing vision and i shot the first two modules here i want you to watch them it's free just take a look it teaches you know how to build chatbots or how to do email marketing or how to self-publish on amazon or whatever it teaches something entrepreneurial i would you know i would like to do a deal with you it's my first deal I'll give you 90%, but there just take go. a look at my core. Like I'm telling you, I would be all over. I mean, the odds are, if it's good, I'd be all over that. Yeah. 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 If you do and, most and of the work. And a hundred other people would too. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I've always done, uh, you know, I'm, nowadays I'm semi-retired, but what I've done is I've created, I've, I've um, trained an army of JV brokers underneath me. So what I do is I give them my deals and we split the 50-50. And those JV brokers actually pay to come on my program to get certified and I give them the deal. So I've been doing that since day one, since uh, 2010. You know, I had so many deals that I couldn't do myself and I was leaving money on the table. I started bringing in a team of people, training them how to do the deals. And nowadays I have a team of people who are uh, certified joint venture brokers and I just give them my deals and we split it 50-50. So it works pretty well. Yeah, and that sounds awesome. And and I want to know, I mean, off this inter- interview, I want to know more about that because, you know, the nice thing about joint ventures is they're not, uh, they're, there's, there's rarely exclusivity. You can do multiple sure. JVs. You can work through multiple yes. JV brokers. We actually just brought on somebody last month. And I mean, I'll give an example of, of the economic benefit of this. We brought someone on. We're not her only client. She's probably got 10, 12 clients. You know, I think we're paying her four grand a month plus 5% of, of the revenue of, or, or revenue. Of the, the, pro, the profit, like the, yeah. our, our, our profit and the other party's commissions or vice versa, 5% sure. of that on every deal. This woman can make a couple hundred grand a year off of just us. And she's got 10 or 12 clients. Yeah. Like there's huge money in this. And for legitimate established marketers and audience builders, we would way, way rather work with strategic joint venture partners than have just a bunch of affiliates to go out there and pollute our brand. Correct. Yeah, correct. It's all about you protecting your brand as well. So that's, that, that is definitely the way to go. Yeah. And having a joint venture broker who's got a long-term stake in a positive long-term outcome and thus has an incentive to do some quality control and reputation policing in the structure so that I'm not having to be the only one worrying about protecting my own interest. That's a huge value add. That's why we, yeah. we brought on this. Pro- I could message these people but I don't want to have to manage the relationships. Exactly. Yeah. You, you need to get on with what you're doing instead of working in the business, working on the business, but, you know, working on the vision and implementing that vision. That is really your role. You know, that, that role of uh, building that affiliate network or building those partnership networks, it should be definitely be given to someone else because you are the head of the table really. And, and your job is to implement the vision moving forward. Yeah. So do you think that there is, um, an opportunity, a good opportunity in the market right now for someone to solely become a joint venture facilitator? Or do you think this is something that's more designed for people that have a, a product or service they want to get to market and they want to use joint ventures in lieu of a big ad budget? This is interesting because uh, most of my brokers are all um, a brick and mortar we do a lot of offline JVs because that's where the bigger deals are. So one of my brokers in Vegas, he did a $1.3 million deal. One in Miami did a $500,000 deal. So they're, they're, they're brick and mortar. They're working with traditional companies. Most of the joint ventures that we get involved in are not necessarily online based uh, okay. or product or service based. They're, they're mostly brick and mortar. So um, I would say yes, as a facilitator, as, uh, as a connector, as an introducer, it's, 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 it's amazing because now everything's br- uh, blown up in terms of the ability to reach people, uh, especially like, for example, Clubhouse, for example, right? Um, you know, we are now in the midst of talking to, I mean, it's amazing. In one room, okay, we have billionaires, multimillionaires, celebs, um, uh, um, uh, pop stars, 
it's just phenomenal that the amount of uh, connections you can make on a platform like that and the ability to build those relationships and tap into their networks. So yeah, as a facilitator, as an introducer, especially with this current pandemic everyone's going through, you know, where all, you, all you've got now is access to the internet, Skype, telephone, uh, it's perfect. And, you know, it's uh, something that people can, uh, uh, can utilize their existing skills and uh, if they're good at communication and good at networking, it's, uh, it, you know, you can build a, a very successful six or seven figure business. From it. Yeah, you were talking uh, before we, we hopped on or before we hit record, you were telling me about a room you were in last night. Do you mind sharing again who was in that room? Yeah, we had Guy Kawasaki, uh, Damon John, Michael Dell was in there as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. Grant, Cardone always po- Grant Cardone always pops in. And obviously, um, but Guy Kawasaki was interesting. We, he, he, uh, I moderate one of the biggest, bigger rooms on Clubhouse and it's called The Roundtable. And the amount of guests that come in there, and Guy Kawasaki was great. Gary Vaynerchuk was in there with us the other day. He was just answering questions. And it's just phenomenal. It's like, you know, we're all in the same room. And these guys are great because they, 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 they like to give their time. And the audience just asked them questions and uh, it's just been phenomenal. And it's like, it, it's just bizarre. It's just very bizarre. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, it, and I want to learn more about Clubhouse, but, um, and I'll ask you about it. But I mean, I just think people yeah. need to realize the people that have big audiences are hungry for good content for their audience Correct. or good opportunities yeah. or, yeah. you know, it, and it could be as something as simple as like socks, like literally, hey, will you wear my socks in an Instagram post and go find a sock Crazy. company? You know, it's, yeah. there's, it's an infinite uh, set of opportunities out there to connect people. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I want to back up actually and ask you, so you were an accountant. Yeah. And you saw an opportunity and we're like, you know, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go after that. It's totally outside my, my current competence. It's a total change of, of even paradigm between going from an employee to taking the risk and being an entrepreneur. I'm going to have to get educated and learn a whole new thing. Uh, you know, I know a fair number of accountants. Most of them aren't like that. No, they're not. No, why, why, why were you the, you know, in fact, most accountants are pretty darn risk averse. Yeah. They don't like striking yeah. out and putting their head on the line, their neck on the line. Why, what made you different? Why do you think you were the one guy that would go do that? I think what it was with me is, well, when I was a lot younger, it, my parents pushed me down an avenue of becoming a, a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. And I was good at numbers at school. I really enjoyed, I was a proper geek to be at school and I enjoyed numbers. But, I, but when I was working um, at this big firm, I, I wasn't enjoying it because I used to sit down and think to myself, there must be more to life than this, I, just being in an office nine to five. And while I was there, I started reading books, reading business books, reading biographies of people. Yeah. And I started understanding that, hey, you know, there's some amazing, some of these guys did some amazing things. And, uh, uh, you know, that really uh, started building my uh, interest to actually start my own business. So I think that's where it all started from. And then I, uh, I saw a couple of businesses um, uh, actually being funded, uh, uh, working with government contracts. And these were multi-million dollar contracts in the e-learning space. And I was like, this is interesting because I looked at some of their products and I thought, this is absolute rubbish. What they're providing to these organizations is absolutely crap. It's very, very basic. 
Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the at that point, I mean, in the dot-com race, I think the U.S. has always been, uh, U.S. Had, had always been in front of the U.K. in terms of development-wise. So that's why I went. I, I, I did research. I found a, a company based in Clearwater, Florida. They were doing, I think, I think it was $50 million in the e-learning space. And I basically reached out to them for a licensing deal. And uh, we didn't have anything like that in the U.K. Uh, I, I struck a deal with them and um, I paid $10,000 upfront for a, a license and we made uh, seven figures from that within the first six months. So it was phenomenal. They gave us all their processes, all their scripts, uh, they gave us all their systems, whatever a, a CRM they were using, they gave us access to that. And it was just a, like a ready-made turnkey business to be honest with you and they white labeled it in our name. We managed to build a, a strong brand. We had a really good relationship with them and they supplied us with everything. So I think for, for me, uh, that was, uh, you know, we built that business very, very quickly. And I'll tell you one thing that was really interesting. That was, uh, like, I'm a numbers guy, right? So we were we were selling um, the actual package. It was a Microsoft package, Microsoft Certified Trainer a Program. Mm -hmm. So that's what it was. We were selling Microsoft training programs to the government, to the army, uh, to, uh, um, uh, to corporates. And we were selling a $5,000 program. Um, which was what they were selling it for in the US. We were actually getting it at 75% discount on the retail price, which was $5,000, but we were selling it for 5,000 pounds. So oh, we, just, yeah. we just took the, yeah. So we took the dollar off, we, we sold it for pounds. There was nothing in our contract or agreement that said we could, we could sell it at whatever we wanted to. So we were selling it at 5,000 pounds. And back then I think, the, uh, I think it was uh, $2 to the pound, the exchange rate was. Yeah. So we were buying it. At that price, we were selling it at this price. Our margins were around uh, 90% was our gross profit margin. So it was a yeah. phenomenal business. Yeah. So you were buying, you said 25% of retail. So you were buying it for 1250 US dollars and you were correct. selling it for the equivalent of 10,000 US dollars. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It was yeah. phenomenal. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I'm just, as you're talking about this, I can't help being on the other side of like, I'm the guy that you could have, I mean, I have a $50 million plus e-learning <laughs> company. Right, like this is a, yeah. This is I, I would. I, mean, I don't know if I would probably do it for ten grand. This is two thousand twenty-one, but like, it's yeah. You it's you changed. created whole, a market that I didn't have to go spend millions of dollars to create for myself. Exactly, yeah. And this is and we did this back in two thousand and um, we actually started the company. I think it was in two thousand. So uh, that was a long time ago, and, and people are talking about e-learning now and video training and video courses. We were doing it back in two back in uh, two. What is that? 20 years ago. My yeah. God, 21 years ago. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how slow, as much as e-learning has exploded, and, and I'm, the, yeah. I'm a beneficiary of that. I'm grateful yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. But it's, it's, also, it's also actually kind of going real slow because you could have made a case 20 years ago that 20 years from now, college won't even be a thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Trade schools won't even be a thing. It'll all be virtual. Yeah. It'll all be digital. It'll all be privatized. Yeah. It'll all be these for-profit companies that can still deliver it better, faster, and cheaper yeah. than, you know, state schools. And all. you could have made that case, but it just, change happens really slow and it'll probably take a hundred yeah. years. Um, but I think also which, because, of, I, think, I think it was because of the pandemic, the, the growth has exploded. Uh, especially with Zoom and people yeah. doing online. And I think that that's really, um, uh, e-learning has benefited that. So I think the explosion has been even tremendous because of the pandemic. Everyone's at home and now it's just e-learning. And plus what they're doing now with education, everyone's going online. People are, are, are saying they don't want to go back to school. They're, 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 and home learning was frowned upon many years ago, right? right? People would say, oh, what are you doing? Are you home learning? What is that about? Now 
home learning is like it's the norm and now people are sort of building platforms just for home learning and homeschooling and people are doing that so more people are embracing that because of the pandemic so yeah i think the shift uh, and it's amazing the opportunities we have right now that's why i say to people right now you guys are lucky we never had this back then you know and we never had these sort of opportunities imagine the amount of money and acquisitions and uh, and value that we could have brought to the table if we still had if we had that business yeah. right now we, uh, forget eight forget eight figures we'd be doing like 10 11 figures it's crazy yeah <laughs> yeah i will i i will admit and you know, listen i i work really hard i don't like to give too much credit to covid but it has helped it's helped. yeah it's i mean you know yeah, it's creating uh, it's creating opportunity yeah we're, we're enrolling more students right now than all the universities in the state of california put together that's what that's because people have seen the benefit people yeah. have, are no longer institutionalized or they're no longer um, um uh, not i wouldn't say brainwashed they're no longer um uh, you know um uh, is is now widely accepted right that you don't have to go there you can go here to get the same thing yeah yeah exactly and for a lot less yeah. so so you said that when you were a kid you were kind of pushed in this very traditional, you know, corporate inside the box pathway. Correct. But you had something inside you that that longed for more. Was there anybody that influenced you along the way to see the alternative path and to, to develop that craving? I think it was my supervisor actually used to say that to me because I was so good at showing other people how to use computers and PCs. She mm. always used to say to me, what, what are you doing as in, in this role? You, you see, you, you have a natural ability to understand how IT and tech works. And that was that was a pivot for me because I was like, yeah, I'm really good at this stuff, you know, and I really enjoy doing this, but I don't want to do the nine to five. I want to try and build something myself that I can build. And that is what it was. And that that's what took me off to a different path altogether. And I'm glad I did that. So yeah. That's interesting. So your 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 entrepreneurial catalyst was your employee supervisor. Yeah, one of my supervisors said, you're really good at this. She actually said to me, you should do something with it. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. That's so funny. I, I, I asked that question of a lot of people on this show, and I've never had somebody say, oh, yeah, it was my, my direct report at my job. Because <laughs> I didn't have no influence back then. You know, my, uh, my father traditionally worked in business. Uh, um, he had his own role, but he never had his own business. So I never came from an entrepreneurial background. But I think I, I read, I, like I said, I also read a lot of autobiographies of successful people, like Richard Branson, for example. Yeah. You know, I read a lot of those type of business books and I really got excited by the thought of maybe, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, uh, my purpose is for, to do something bigger. That's what it was. My purpose was to do something bigger than just this mundane. I'm, I'm going to be careful because I don't want to offend accountants, but it right. was, it, it was tax work. It was very, very mundane, boring tax work. And, you know, I'm good at numbers, but for me, it was like, there must be a, you know, there must be a, a, a bigger purpose to what I'm doing. And that's what I think was the main driver as well. Yeah. It's definitely more fun to grow the beans than to count other people's beans. Yeah. I like right? that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would, I would, I would second that. Um, I got fired from the only job I ever had. I was 16 years old and I lasted three weeks. So Wow. And it was at a law firm. Not quite a, a little different, uh, but also probably very yeah, similar. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So so you say you're semi-retired now. I'm curious what that means because I don't, I, most entrepreneurs yeah, never weird. really it's, retire. I'll, 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 I'll tell you what happened. In 2017, I did retire uh, for a year. I got really, really bored. 
Yeah. I've got two young kids. I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And when I ret- the one reason why I took that deal is because I wanted to be- spend more time with my kids. I was a workaholic. I was traveling consistently all over the country, uh, all over the U.S., doing uh, corporate deals and doing corporate uh, consulting. I mean, I was uh, charging uh, $50,000 a day for corporate consulting, working with Fortune 500, 100 companies. Even though I loved it and I enjoyed it, it took a lot out of me because I was consi- consistently traveling from place to place. And then in 2017, when I got the offer, I looked at the situation. I thought, you know, I've got two young kids. I really want to spend time with them as they're growing because I was missing everything. I'd miss the first words. I'd miss things they say. And when I used to come back, it's like, dude, you, you've grown or, you know, my girl's grown. Oh, my God, I, I missed it. So I decided to say, you know what, I don't need the money. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to just retire and spend time with them. But then I got bored. I did it for a year. I was just going crazy. I was like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And then I, then I came back. Uh, and uh, you know, back into the industry because there was still a big demand for. I was doing boot camps in Las Vegas, uh, three or four times a year, which I was charging fifty thousand dollars for for three-day boot camps. And then I said to my wife, "Look, I made an agreement with her. I said, Look, I'm not going to go into any new venture. I'm not going to go full time. I'm not going to get involved. If I could just continue doing my boot camps in Las Vegas three or four times a year, would you let me do that?" And she, she goes, "Yeah, sure, you can." So who who would like to go to Vegas, right, and get paid? So I was doing that three or four times a year. I was meeting some um, uh, new people. I was training new brokers. Any deals that would come to me, I wouldn't take them on. I'd give them to my brokers. So I, ca- I continued doing that. And now where I am today is I'm working now on a family foundation to give back and leave a legacy for my kids. So that is for me moving forward. Uh, I've done a lot, man. Seriously, you know, when I was a lot younger, I had, a, you know, I, I had the mansion. I had the cars. I had, the, you know, I still got the watches. I had the watches. You know, I had, we, we even we even have, had a private jet. Part of the group that um, uh, bought my business, they had a private jet. So we had access to that. So nowadays when people talk about, you know, the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and the, the, the blah, blah, I, I'm so fortunate that I did that at a young age. So for me, it's not, I don't feel like I need to do it again, you know? So I think that is a big difference for me because it's not a driver anymore to be successful to live that lifestyle because I live that lifestyle so I still enjoy what I do because I'm passionate about it this is one of the reasons why I'm still doing it but I, I think I've turned a corner I'm going to be 50 very soon so for me age is nothing but a number but for me you know I've got young kids and I, I want to sort of uh, get more involved with them growing up um, educational wise as well doing more things with my kids that I never got an opportunity my father worked 24 7 I hardly saw him when I was a kid so I never had that opportunity that my kids have right now of, of just seeing my father at the weekends, basically, right? which I really enjoyed, but I missed him during the week. So I just don't want to have that with my kids. I want to make sure I'm there for them. And, you know, we don't uh, financial. We have financial freedom. Money is never going to be an issue for us ever again. So I just want to make sure that I'm uh, I'm I'm, you know, as my wife says, I'm present. Right. I'm in the present. Yeah. yeah <laughs> present moment. Yeah. So that's why I'm focusing on now. So. You know, I have to mention, and, and uh, for time reasons, I, I won't get to ask you in depth about it, but I think it's worth noting that as an individual, I mean, you had your own private consulting business. It wasn't like yeah. you, you weren't at, you didn't work at Deloitte or Bain or no. you know, McKinsey or one of these big firms. And you were, well, what, what, you were well, the, the, the original CPA firm I worked for merged with Anderson. So the, yeah. the, there were a management consulting firm originally, but yeah, but my own one was just me basically is my personal consulting practice. And, and Anderson's gone. Anderson disappeared yeah, after, after the Enron debacle. Gone. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm from Houston. So I was very close to the Enron debacle. Cool. In fact, very I played cool. a piano gig. You know, I was a professional piano player in my twenties. Oh, I nice. played a gig at Andy Fastow's house. 
Wow, very cool. Yeah, the CFO of Enron that created that CFO, whole that's right. house yeah, of cards. Yeah, very cool. Interesting. <laughs> um, but anyways, so, but I think it's just worth noting that as a, you know, because a lot of people I think have a, a little bit of a limited perspective on what's possible out there in the market. If oh, you can deliver the right value to the right customers, you can be on your own and go in and charge $50,000 a day. Like that's a thing, Correct. you can do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing for me because, um, you know, it all... It all started, actually where it all started from, and it was really interesting, um, a guy messaged me on LinkedIn, right? And he said, I watched a couple of your videos. Uh, I like this idea about joint venture partnerships. We are a, um, we are a, um, uh, they were a financial uh, insurance firm in New York. In New York, He said, we're a financial firm in New York. We're spending six figures a month on pay-per-click advertising. It's getting very competitive. Can we apply joint venture partnerships to go, uh, to, 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 get, to get new clients and customers? I said, of course you can. I said, you know, I, I, I can show you a way to reduce your uh, advertising costs and increase your joint venture partnerships so your advertising costs uh, basically disappear. So he said to me, okay, that's interesting. He goes, look, I've watched a couple of videos on YouTube. I see that you have a, 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 a coaching program, a training program. He said to me, what's the price of that program? I said, well, that's, uh, that's $15,000. It's a three-day boot camp in Vegas. And I said, uh, he said to me, well, I've got three of my guys that would be interested in coming to this, um, uh, to, to, you know, to, to come to this boot camp. And I said, that's fine. I said, I could do a deal for you. If it's three of them, you know, we could do $30,000, it's not a problem. And then he said to me, what if you came to us? And I said, sorry? He said, what if you came to us in New York? I'll, I'll, I'll pay for your flights. I'll fly you um, a first class. And we'll put you up in the Mandarin Oriental. I'll get you a suite, which, which, we, which we do with all our clients. And then you come in, uh, spend a day with us. And uh, just, uh, I don't want three days. I want one day of your time. Uh, and I'm willing to pay you $30,000 for that and just train my team. So this is funny because it was coming close to April. So I thought this has got to be uh, an April Fool's joke, right? Because this guy's communicated with me by a LinkedIn message, message, right. uh, email, uh, message. And I said, look, I haven't spoken to him. He hasn't called me. He said, and he said to me, okay, that's great. Uh, what I'm going to do is that please send me an invoice and then uh, I need your bank details and I'll, I'll get my, um, someone in the accounts department to wire transfer the funds to you. Uh, you should get it by the end of the week. And then uh, we can organize you coming in to do the training. So there I was thinking, I've never done business like this. Someone's actually just messaging me on LinkedIn saying, he has, uh, send us an invoice, we'll send you the money. It was so, it was so quick. So every day I would go in and check and say, is, is it there? Is it there? And on Friday, bang, it hit $30,000 in my account for one day consulting for this uh, firm in New York. Flew me to New York. They put me up in the Mandarin Oriental. I was there for three days. I spent one day uh, training, uh, one day with the, uh, C with the CEO, and it was phenomenal. And after that, that was my benchmark. When I would go out and do consulting, it would be $30,000. And then people would say, okay, so if we bought you for two days, what would you charge? And then it was $50,000. And then when I started doing larger corporate consulting, then it was $50,000 a day. I mean, these were uh, billion dollar corporations. $50,000 right. a day was peanuts to them. And that's how it all uh, transpired uh, with my consulting practice. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just so cool and, and crazy just how much money is out there. I mean, it's insane. It's and, amazing, yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think people benefit a lot from having their eyes, their, their vision expanded. That like scarcity is, is, just, uh, is just insecurity. Yeah, it's correct. not a real thing. It's just, it's a, scarcity exists inside you. It doesn't exist outside you. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, this is it. And this is the mindset thing as well. You know, people understand once you've gone through that barrier and you've actually achieved it, it becomes easy after that. But you're right. It's just a, it's just that thinking, isn't it? It's just the thinking that people have. Yeah, it's it's crazy. 
Uh, well, listen, I know we're, we're about out of time. So, uh, th I mean, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful. I, f I know so much more about JBs than I did. Um, cool. I love, I love doing this show because I basically get to get, I get free consulting, you know, <laughs> and, we, and we call it content. <laughs> no, it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this I is great. So how can people go get to know you more and, you know, potentially even work with you if that's an option? Yeah, sure. So if you want to connect with me, LinkedIn is the best place. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just type in Sahel Khan. Um, also, um, I'm on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash the JV guy. Clubhouse. If you're on Clubhouse, mm -hmm. definitely connect with me on Clubhouse. I'm known as the joint. I'm known as now I'm known as the resident joint venture expert on Clubhouse. So just uh, just search the joint venture expert. Uh, and you'll find me on Clubhouse. And also, if you want access to, um, I have a book that I wrote, a best-selling book with uh, J. Conrad Levinson. That was one of my uh, mentors, uh, father of Google Marketing. And if you want a copy of that book, that will really help you understand more about strategic partnerships and joint ventures. Just go to freejointventurebook.com, freejointventurebook.com, and you can download that, uh, uh, you know, with the compliments of myself and obviously Jeff here as well. Thank you. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entre Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.